This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. Drag Queen Story Hour is a beloved community event that started in San Francisco in 2015. It's exactly what it sounds like, a drag queen reading stories to kids. Here's Chronicle reporter Ryan Cost describing it. Essentially, a drag performer will read books to children, usually younger children, who, you know, enjoy story hours in general. Julian is a mermaid by Jessica Love. From the stars in the sky to the fish in the sea. And Yulan felt loved. They might do a sing-along. If you're happy and you know it, say hooray. Hooray! If you're happy and you know it, say hooray. Hooray! If you're happy and you know it, and your face is show showing. If you're happy and you know it, say hooray. Hooray! Usually this happens at a public library, but I know that especially in the Bay Area, there are various corporations that will have a drag queen come and do story hours for their pride events, that sort of thing. Drag Queen Story Hour has grown to 50 chapters in the United States and 20 internationally. There are a lot of people who aren't happy about that. Well, just to make it absolutely perfectly clear that they hate you, your family, and your children and everything you stand for, the New York City Department of Education has produced a new show called Drag Queen Story Hour. Earlier this month, that kind of anti-trans, anti-gay sentiment was on display as a Drag Queen Story Hour at a San Lorenzo library was disrupted. Here's NBC News reporting on it. The incident occurred Saturday, and witnesses who wanted to stay anonymous say the group that disrupted the event was acting aggressively and yelling offensive slurs against the LGBTQ plus community. You know, they came in and they were screaming about, like, pedophilia and saying things like, we have to save the children. And I mean, they were terrifying the children. Now, drag queens and other LGBTQ community members, especially during Pride Month, are on high alert. Chronicle reporter Ryan Cost has written a story about the misperceptions of storytelling drag queens that are being magnified on social media. This is a very different thing than a drag show in the Castro on a Friday night. The executive director of the organization explained it pretty well. He said, you know, you have movie stars that will sometimes be in an R-rated movie, and then, you know, they might also star in a G-rated film for kids. And that's fine because they're playing two completely different characters. Ryan explains why that library event in San Lorenzo was targeted and how that incident is changing things for Bay Area drag queens who dearly love telling stories to children. His latest reporting also talks about the broader backdrop of both the political and cultural wars against those in the LGBTQ community. You'll also hear from Persia, one of the founding queens of Drag Queen Story Hour. I love working in the classroom, but then I also love doing drag. But Drag Queen Story Hour sort of like merges, like it's, 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 it's both worlds in one. And I get to not only be a storyteller and be silly and, you know, it's like I'm in my element. That's like my favorite job. But um, I think the most important part is that it's very healing for me. She will share what telling stories to children means to her and how she's feeling now. First, here's my conversation with Ryan Cost. 
Ryan, drag queen story hours have been taking place in libraries across the country since 2015. What's the goal of this programming? So it was part of this ongoing effort by a queer literary group to, you know, essentially queer the Castro. They wanted to, I think, you know, the Castro has traditionally been known as a place for, you know, gay men. And they kind of wanted to, I don't know, add a certain level of queerness to that. Um, And one of the people who was in charge of that was queer author and activist Michelle T. She had recently given birth to a child and she'd been going to uh, story hours at the libraries, but she found them to be, you know, sort of flat and boring. And, you know, one day it just occurred to her, drag queens could be the answer. Um, You know, kids love it when you dress up. They really love, you know, super exaggerated um, femininity. You know, you can think about sort of princess culture, uh, frozen, that sort of thing. So she just thought it was sort of a natural fit. Was there also the goal of teaching kids about queer identity or, you know, gender fluidity? Or was this really about you know, kids loving costumes and the, exp- you know, the expressions and the colorfulness of drag queens. Yeah, I mean, I think it's much more the second one. Now, of course, I think some of the uh, drag performers will pick books that sort of, you know, have themes of self-acceptance or loving each other or creativity, that sort of thing. I know that there are specific story hours now where, you know, maybe they'll try to do stories that speak to, you know, Black experiences or Indigenous experiences, things like that. So it's not as though there isn't some amount of, like, education happening. But I think it's honestly, and if if you've seen a Drag Queen Story Hour, you'll see, like, the kids are just really obsessed with, well, how does this person have blue hair? Or, you know, how do they get the sparkles to stick to their face? That sort of thing. It's it's not super didactic. Mm-hmm. And so, Ryan, earlier this month, a drag queen story hour was stormed by a group of men that police believe are members of the far-right Proud Boys organization. How did a storytelling event that's family-friendly, really fun for kids, how did that become a target? So we don't know for sure, but we do know for a fact that a large anti-gay, anti-trans Twitter account called Libs of TikTok posted this event, along with um, dozens of others around the country, they weren't all drag queen story hours. Uh, some were other sort of family-oriented drag events. But I think organizers believe that that is sort of how these protesters um, found out about the event. And I guess it's important too, to offer some context here. You know, over the past few months, we've seen certain right-wing agitators online targeting trans youths, We've seen them targeting, you know, queer teachers through don't say gay bills that I think have been up now in over a dozen states. And now we're kind of seeing them come for drag performers. They talk about it as though what is happening when kids are exposed to drag is, you know, akin to grooming or, you know, sort of trying to, I don't know, turn them gay or turn them queer in some sense. And I think Drag Queen Story Hour is sort of a focal point for them in this case because Honestly, kids aren't going to a lot of drag events. So it sounds like these anti-gay, anti-trans protesters are accusing the programming of grooming kids, turning them gay or LGBT. They also are saying that it's just an inappropriate environment for kids. What else are they saying? 
Well, I think there's also maybe a sense that they're using this as a way to sort of rally the base a little bit. Um, You know, I don't know. I can't read minds, but I wouldn't be surprised if maybe some of the loudest voices in this area aren't really that concerned about kids, but sort of see this as an opportunity for, you know, continued outrage that they can sort of run on or push candidates with. So, Ryan, what has actually been the experiences of parents and kids that attend Drag Queen Story Hour? How successful has the program been? Well, the program has been incredibly successful. Since 2015, it is now, I think, has 50 chapters in the United States and 20 chapters internationally. I know that it is a frequent occurrence in San Francisco's libraries. And from what I understand and from what the librarians have told me, you know, it's it's really fun for kids and the parents really like it too. And this isn't this isn't something that people are being forced to go to. Oftentimes this is just, you know, something that a parent wants to do with their kids and maybe they are, you know, sort of a queer family unit themselves. And so it's sort of a fun thing to do where they see themselves reflected. But, you know, I think most of the time it's just, it, it sort of is right up a kid's imaginary, you know, playtime alley. Mm-hmm. And that disruption that happened at a recent Drag Queen Story Hour, that was in San Lorenzo here in the Bay Area, where we assume it's very progressive here. But there have been other kinds of disruptions of Pride or other LGBTQ-related events, not only in the Bay Area, but across the country. What else has been happening? Yeah, well, so in Idaho, the same day, actually, that the protesters came to the reading, authorities arrested a I think 30, 31 um, far-right protesters who were, I guess, allegedly about to disrupt a Pride event there. A town in North Carolina ended up canceling one of their Drag Queen Story Hour events. And then Marco Rubio decided to make it an issue that a Drag times or a drag Queen Story Hour was happening at an Air Force base in Germany. Um, it wasn't associated with the actual organization, but he you know, raised some concerns and got that shut down as well. And then, you know, sort of beyond that, we now are seeing legislators, Republican legislators in Texas, Florida, and Arizona propose banning children from drag events. Um, again, I just want to sort of point out that most drag usually happens in bars. And so I don't think you would normally see children at a bar watching a drag event. So I'm not really exactly sure I don't know where they see the the threat coming from exactly, but yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's clear that this is part of a larger culture war, and that's putting a lot of people on edge. So are there new safety protocols in place for story hours in light of all these new concerns? Yeah. So they did say when I spoke to the organizers that there are ongoing conversations to make sure that people are feeling safe. Um, They didn't go into detail, I think in part because they don't really want to broadcast that. Mm -hmm. And speaking with the performers themselves, I know they've been asking, you know, for friends to come with them to certain performances. Uh, They'll bring clothes so that they can change out of drag so that they're not followed from the event. And then, you know, I spoke with Persia, who is a longtime storyteller. She said that at two of her events last week, Uh, organizers sort of walked her through precautions. They're like, okay, well, just in case anything happens, you need to go up these stairs, down the hall, lock yourself in this office and hide under a desk. And I was like, well, thank you. Happy Pride. 
my coping mechanism, which is a blessing and a curse, is my my humor. But really, I was freaking out. But I was like, oh, well, happy Pride, I guess. <laughs> you know, I think she was appreciative that they were thinking about her. But she said that it was, you know, pretty traumatizing and that that wasn't anything she'd ever experienced. I'm having a really hard time dealing with it because I keep getting asked, how are you unstressing yourself? And I don't know how to do that. And, and, and yeah, I just don't know. I don't know. I, therapy, <laughs> but I, I, I don't know. <laughs> and that's hard. More with Persia and Ryan Cost after a quick break. What keeps Persia committed to the Drag Queen Story Hour despite public safety concerns? And what does public safety mean to her as a queer person of color? We'll be right back. You can support the newsroom that creates Fifth Emission by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Ryan, you spoke to one of the founding queens of Drag Queen Story Hour, Persia. How has the incident at the San Lorenzo Library affected her? Yeah, I mean, Persia loves this. She has been doing it since the very beginning. She has a lot of different jobs, but she says that this one is her favorite. Growing up queer in, you know, in in the hood, because I'm originally from South Central LA, it wasn't easy. And so then as, as a young human, you start learning how to adapt and how to protect yourself. And so you create all these things in your head and and you 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 learn mechanisms that allow you to be safe in a space where you're really not safe. And so to what Drag Queen Story Hour allows me as a performer is to heal from that. You know, it's also she's she's felt on edge, whereas in the past she might have been able to sort of dismiss some of this rhetoric as stuff that was happening in other states. After the San Lorenzo thing, she can't really assume that it won't happen to her or couldn't happen to her. Mm-hmm. You know, pushback against queer people, drag performers isn't a new thing. It's a narrative that's been around for some time. Is there something different about this moment that maybe feels different from sort of the animosity in the past? Yeah, you know, that's so hard to quantify. You can draw some direct lines between what's happening you know, with this most recent sort of moral panic around drag queens to, you know, even say Harvey Milk's activism when he fought successfully to help defeat uh, an initiative that would ban gay people from teaching in public schools in California. And it wasn't just him. There were a lot of other queer activists who helped with that fight. But but this is something that's sort of been lying there, you know, throughout the years. But I would I think that it would be correct to say that there feels like a renewed sort of, I don't know, um, pressure or energy behind these sorts of campaigns. And it also feels like, Ryan, I mean, there is also the role of social media, these accounts that 
push back against the LGBTQ community and spread these narratives. These things also just move very fast where people can just show up at events. That's probably something different than before, right? Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, social media becomes a huge microphone. Again, like Libs of TikTok has 1 million followers, and it doesn't take a lot more than that to make something go viral, of course. Mm -hmm. I've been watching this for a while, and I think I noticed the same thing happened with critical race theory. A few activists on the right decided that this was their next, you know, sort of I don't want to say culture war exactly, but just their latest their latest battle. And then, you know, very quickly you had dozens of states under Republican control legislating against it. Um, we saw the same thing with trans people in sports. And then this seems to be sort of the most recent one, drag performers. But it's kind of surprising at how you can sort of just see it a few murmurs suddenly become a really loud chorus. Mm-hmm. So, Ryan, there's been a lot of heated discussions around safety and policing in the LGBTQ community. Recently, we saw San Francisco Pride event organizers ban police uniforms. They eventually came to a compromise. But there is this debate about the role of police officers in the safety of LGBTQ community members, which historically they've been vulnerable to police violence. How do you think this debate will play out in the safety concerns of drag queen story hours? You know, I think it's such a complicated thing. And I know even as the Pride Board was discussing, you know, the ban on uniforms, there was never a talk of not having law enforcement around the parade or around, you know, the largest celebration. So I I think that there is obviously an understanding that, you know, as threats escalate, it is important to have appropriate protection. You know, I think when Persia pulled up to one of her recent events at a library, she saw a police car in the parking lot. And as I was <laughs> approaching the library, there's like a huge cop car. And I mean, cops are triggering, triggering. You know, I'm Mexican, born and raised in the hood. The track record is not that great. And anyway, so seeing the cop was triggering but I was like, I, I have a job to do. There's people who are coming and I got to put on a show. It definitely rattled her. And I'm sure that that was, you know, for multiple reasons, just sort of the proximity of threat, you know, necessitating that sort of response. But then also, yeah, I, I don't know that you ever necessarily want to see, want want to need to have an armed officer around, you know, for for protection. So going back to Drag Queen Story Hour, have the recent incidents disrupted the programming? How has the larger community responded? Well, everyone I talked to has basically just doubled down. Nobody has said that they're going to be doing less of this. Obviously, they're going to be doing some more around their safety precautions, but it seems sort of full steam ahead. I think in part that's out of principle. They just don't want this recent they don't want this recent attention to sort of stop them from their core mission, which is, you know, essentially just to make the world a happier, better, sweeter place. I had a drag queen story hour uh, on Tuesday and family after family after family started coming and coming. And and it really was like, I'm not going to cry, but like, it was really awesome. Do you see the support? It's from love and it's from like having a void of in our childhood, a void of queerness and openness and creativity that we do this. And so 
Yes, we do it for the community, but like I said, it's healing for us. Ryan Koss reports on Bay Area culture for The Chronicle. His story about drag queen storytellers being targeted by right-wingers is online now at sfchronicle.com and The Chronicle app. The clip of the drag queen reading about the mermaid early in the episode is from a short film called Tall Tales with True Queens. Special thanks to Persia for being on the show. Also to King Kaufman for the edits and to you for listening. <laughs> 